Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Morton, and welcome to my podcast, which is entitled A Cup of Joe. This is a podcast dedicated to health and wellness. So we're going to talk about it all, and I love this subject. I'm passionate about it, and I want you to know something. I'm grateful to be a part of your journey. And again, all the different things that we're talking about are going to help you understand that you hold the key and that your success is in your hands and greatness is out there for you. Let's talk sugar. I know. It's a tough subject. It is a sensitive subject because we all love our sugar. And I'm going to get into why we love our sugar. It's our dopamine levels. It's addictive. And so we're going to get into this. But I want to make this clear also going into it. I'm not against sugar, okay? We need sugar. Our bodies need sugar. But I'm again, I'm I'm ant I'm not anti-sugar, I'm anti-too much sugar. Okay. We all love a little treat. But here's the thing: when I was growing up, uh, uh, every uh, like a treat that we experienced treats at special occasions throughout the year, uh, holidays, vacation stuff. That's become our everyday nutrition. Well, think about that for a moment. In the last several decades, we've gone from treats becoming our everyday nutrition. It's hard to believe. So let's just talk about this for a second. What we have on this table, the two. Two piles of sugar, okay? And now, I also want to say, you're going to get a lot of different statistics if you Google this. Lots of different Google. If a quick Google search of 1900 consumption of sugar versus modern day, you're going to get, I think it's like 80 pounds or 90 pounds in the 1900s to 180 pounds average consuming in 2011, okay? Or 2010 or something like that. That's what you're going to get as a quick search. But I, I wanted to understand that further. So I kind of dove a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper. There's lots of different statistics out there, okay? But one one website that I came across, which is diabetescouncil.com or something, has to do with diabetes. I mean, that's a pretty important, and I'm going to get into that in, in, this, in this podcast as well. What they came up with is in 19, 1915, 17.5 pounds. Now, that's not exactly 17.5. That's 15 pounds. Right, no, that's 16 pounds right there. Because okay? each one of them is, each bag is four pounds. So there's 16 pounds. So basically just another pound and a half we've got. And that's what, according to that website, said uh, that we were consuming in 1915. Now, in 2011, it's a whopping 150 pounds. Okay. What the average American will be consuming. Okay. This is average. And again, depends on the website you hit, depends on the different, um, this is added sugar, by the way. It depends on what you're looking at, okay? So whether it's the one that you get a quick search and it's 90 pounds and then it's 180 pounds, which is 30 pounds more than this, still a heck of a long sugar. You know what I mean? So we're going to get into this in just a moment here and we're going to go through some of this. So again, as you're considering, as you're going through your health and wellness goals, your objectives, your dreams, what you're trying to accomplish. I just want you to step back and think about this for a moment and just say, hmm, could this be affecting me? I'm not saying it is for you. Everyone's different. Everybody's different. That's another thing to consider too. Everybody is different and everybody's going to react a little differently. I happen to work out a lot. Okay. I work out a lot. I love exercising. I love like uh, the, the the workout process. So I'm, I'm passionate about that. I'm not so worried about necessarily weight gain, although that 
can happen if I consume too and I too much sugar and I end up uh, backing off on my routine. But it affects me in different ways. It affects me in energy levels. It affects me in sleep patterns. Of course, we're going to get into this here. It affects me in just like uh, brain fog. I'll get into that in just a moment. So it's going to affect us in different ways, okay? So let's jump into this. Generally speaking, we're about this in the early 1900s and about this in the early 2000s, okay? Approximately. Again, you'll do your Google it and I know you'll come up. Either way, it's pretty staggering. Okay, so with that said, let's talk about 12 signs. And, and this is just research. Guys, do your own research. This is a podcast that's hopefully going to get you kind of going, hey, I can research this on my own. I want to look into this on my own. Don't take just because someone says, here, eat this is the best thing to do. Research. It's your body. It's your body. And you can make choices on what you're going to put in here to and how you're, how it's going to affect you and your health and wellness. Now, this is a quick search. Um, Everyday Health uh, magaz magazine, I guess, newsletter. And 12 potential signs you're eating too much sugar. Okay. Per a Harvard Health Publish publishing study, okay, when we eat sugar, most of it gets broken down and absorbed in the small intestine is when it starts off with specialized enzymes attack larger molecules and convert them into three simple, simpler sugars, glucose, galactose, and fructose. The liver and muscles store some of the glucose as glycogen, a, mo a molecule. By the way, we'll get into glycogen at one point because this is a part of the exercise process that you want some glycogen in there and you're going to burn that while you're, while you're exercising. Um, a molecule that turns back into glucose when your body needs it. When glucose enters the bloodstream, however, levels of blood glucose rise. In response, the pancreas secretes insulin to help glucose get where it needs to go in your body. If you're consuming large amounts of added sugar, the cells can become resistant to insulin over time, a risk factor for systematic inflammation, type 2 diabetes, and other chronic conditions. I'm just reading straight from this make, this art newsletter that's per a Harvard study, okay? I think we can trust Harvard. Pretty good, pretty good university, I'd say. Um Eating too much, and this continues on, eating too much sugar, too much added sugar has also been linked to weight gain and obesity. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Okay, why that is. Why is it that that excess sugar is, is converted into fat? Risk factors for heart disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, and cancer. Excess, excessive intakes of added sugar impact our energy. Remember I mentioned that it'll affect my energy, mood, weight, and disease risk. Okay. Uh, over and it says across the board it can impact our physical and mental well-being. So that's kind of my opening statement. This is from a from a Harvard study that they're quoting. Okay, and and again it's going to affect us in different ways. But I, I wanted to point that out because for me it, it kind of affects my energy levels. It really brings me down. I don't understand this. I don't understand exactly why, but my mood. It could spike my energy really high and then bring me down, which is actually not common. We, we talked about this as kids. We don't talk about this so much anymore. We talk about, hey, don't give them, they get a sugar rush and then a crash. And that's and so it's just this constant up and down, up and down, up and down. We have to be hitting it all the time. But now we just, we're hitting it all day long. And, and I think we can agree that we're hitting it with sugar in all different areas. And so we're constantly in this swing. <clears throat> 
and it's hitting our insulin levels and it's really affecting us. So um, 12, 12 potential signs were, were, and I'll just highlight these because I get into a lot of them in, in the rest of this. Weight gain, hunger and weight gain, interesting. Number two, irritability. I'm one of those guys. Low energy. Foods don't taste sweet enough, so we actually, it becomes like an addictive thing. Cravings for sweets, of course, that we, we end up craving it. And and we I'll get into this in just a moment, but it's a bit of a dopamine, it's not a good bit, it hits our dopamine levels. And so high blood pressure, acne and wrinkles, joint pain, sleep issues, uh, brain fog, and cavities. Nobody likes cavities. So interestingly, um, when I was a kid, and this is part of my, this is part of the journey that we're all on. We're all on individual journeys. I mentioned in my opening podcast that I, my parents didn't allow sugar, pretty much added sugar at all. Well, a little bit, but not a whole lot. And so as a kid, boy, I just like, you can imagine, I was like, couldn't wait to get any type of sugar um, into my system. And so we just didn't have a lot of it. And very, very, very little. Any type of sugar we'd have would be natural in the form of honey, um, which that was that was something that we could consume in our house, agave, a little bit of agave, and, um, but really not a whole lot of sugar at all. So I'd go to my friend's house, and that's where I'd get my fix. And my friends would have like sugar cereal. They'd be like, hey, Joe, what do you want with your sugar cereal? I'm like, Coke. And they would give me Coke. Like, who eats, drinks Coke at breakfast? They're probably thinking, this kid's a little weird. But I'd get my sugar. And anyways, I, I kind of went through this, and I wonder, and I... And this next point that I want to talk about the immune system, it's very interesting because I went through my whole growing up period almost never being sick. In fact, our bus driver, we lived out in the country on a dirt road. And so we had a bus driver that'd come pick us up. Uh, we really did have to go about a quarter mile to the, to the bus stop. I know you hear that from parents. They climb hills in the snow both ways. But we really did. We like walk all the way to the bus stop. It's like quarter of a mile. And um, we had the same bus driver. And when we moved away from that area, when my parents finally sold that house and moved, she made a comment. I, I was your bus driver for all five of the Morton kids. I don't remember your kids being sick. I'm sure we were. I, I mean, we'd have the common cold and so forth. That That's going to happen. But generally, we were not sick. Much to our dismay, because, you know, you want to be sick and not go to school. Like, man, I just want to miss school. But I didn't have that. So immune system. Um, right off the bat, let's, this is CNET. This is, a um, a website and what? Yes, this is good. Okay. Doctors warn that sugar can temporarily weaken your immune system. Too much sugar in your system allows the bacteria or viruses to propagate much more because your initial innate system doesn't work as well. That's why diabetes, but diabetics, for example, have more, um, Oh, well, then it's more infections. Okay, there's a little schmear in there. That's uh, that's from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, that's where the CNET is from, Cleveland Clinic. Okay, besides being a driver behind other chronic health conditions like diabetes and heart disease, sugar consumption affects your body's ability to fight off viruses or other infections in the body. You know how your body needs certain cells to fight off infections. White blood cells, also known as killer cells, are highly affected by sugar consumption. Like Dr. Roizen uh, mentioned, sugar hinders the immune system since, according to a study done on fruit flies, 
the white blood cells are not able to do their job and destroy bad bacteria or viruses as well as when someone does not eat sugar, as well as if someone's not eating sugar. Another study showed that high blood sugar affects infection-fighting mechanisms. Again, goes into the same thing. So there's multiple. And here's an interesting part. They talk about a certain level of that when it really starts to hit our immune system. And guess what that level is? 75 grams of sugar. And guess what the average American, on average, generally will be eating is it 75 grams of sugar. And if you're wondering, 75 grams of sugar, what 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 would that be? So there's this is this, and I'm not trying to pick on Pepsi, okay? So don't, I'm sorry, Pepsi, don't get pissed off at me. Um, this is 69 grams of sugar, okay? 69 grams of sugar, which, by the way, if you're trying to figure out the calculation of how much sugar, if you're wondering about it, it's about a quarter a teaspoon, uh, okay? Uh, so if you're doing 69, you're going to do 69 times 0.25. So that's 17, 2, 17 and a quarter teaspoons of sugar, okay? So you're just underneath what the WHO is suggesting that you're supplying. And I get into it, and I, hopefully I got time to go into that at a different point. But that's about the time, that's, that's basically what they're saying is 75 grams of sugar. That's what it takes to really start weakening the immune system. And that could be just one bottle. Okay, so just consider that. Just think about that. Now, if you throw in a, a chocolate bar, um, this one, I'm doing this on the fly if you can't tell. But I, but I want to do that for a purpose so that you can you can do this on your own. Just do this on your own. 28 grams of sugar. Okay, so that's 28 grams of sugar. And I want you to times that by 0.25, 7. So that's 7 teaspoons of sugar. Okay, but between those two, you're already past that limit where you start to weaken the immune system. Okay, so we're going to have to rush, get through this because there's a lot to accomplish here. Gut microbiome. Now, you're going to hear a lot about, you probably hear a lot about this right now. And a lot of you who are watching this right now are struggling with your gut microbiome. I understand. I've been through this journey and I continue to be through this journey. And I'm very, that's part of my life. Um, and I'm going to have an entire podcast on just gut microbiome because this is really important. The way we digest food and, and the way we, um, process and the things that can cause our stomach to be upset um, is such an important, there's there's this saying in health and wellness that we have two brains, this is our one brain, but we have a second brain down here because everything that happens in here is so important to the way we function on a daily basis in all the roles that we play and everything that we do. So um, so here's here's a quick one. A study done, funded by Yale University and the National Institutes of Health was founded that high consumptions of sugar, basically table sugar, which is sucrose and fructose, um, could be affecting the composition of the gut microbiome. Um, what this is? Let me just kind of—I'm going to read this through because I, I want you to understand. It's trying to get to what is causing this. Okay. In fact, a study conducted on mice found that high uh, sugar affected. A beneficial, the beneficial type of bacteria, because your your gut has two types of good and bad bacteria. Okay, very clearly, 
And it's very important to note that. So when we get into this discussion uh, in in our own the own podcast dedicated to gut microbiome, we're going to talk about good and bad bacteria and the importance of making sure you have good. But what it's saying here is affected a beneficial type of bacteria, um, the bacterioids, I can't even pronounce this, theta teomicron. This species is associated with individuals' ability to process certain healthy food items like vegetables. Sucrose or or table sugar is is formed of both fructose and glucose and has been found to block this ability to do so. Okay, a protein re- oh, it blocks uh, the production of raw a protein required to produce this good bacteria. See what they're getting to. So it gets a little bit interesting here. When researchers in the study engineered a strain of the bacterium that didn't prevent the production of rock, the strain didn't prevent the protein from colonizing it. This allowed for healthier gut microbiome. So it's it's hurting the good gut microbiome. That's basically in a nutshell what it's saying. Is, okay? So I'm not saying that that is what you're going through. I do know that that's one of the ways that added sugar, too much added sugar, again, I'm not anti-sugar, too much sugar. And I'm eating too much added sugar, it affects my my gut, hands down. I have done this over, and this is my journey, okay? This is a big part of my journey. And, you know, when growing up, I didn't appreciate, I, I didn't really appreciate my parents, what they, what they put us through. I kind of teased them a lot. And like, you don't let us eat sugar, blah, blah, blah. I had to learn this on my own. Because when I left my house, I was like, super, super healthy. And like I said, other than the odd cold here and there, maybe a flu from time to time. I don't know if I, I assume I had it at some point. Every kid kind of goes through that. I was just never sick. And so I left the home. I'm on my own. And I had to figure this stuff on my own. Suddenly, I'm like eating everything, eating everything. And it caught up on me. At about, I, I, I was living in Malaysia at the time. I was probably about 27, 28 years old when it really caught up on me. And I realized I got to change this. I have to make a change. And I start, and the longer that I spend on this beautiful earth, the more I'm going back to that kind of healthy life, that lifestyle that my parents brought me up on. Pretty strict. Do allow a little bit of sugar. We didn't allow any sugar, but a little bit, you know, but I'm very strategic about it. Okay? And that's one of the ways that it affects my, my gut biome. And if I'm going to eat it, I kind of go into this, all right, I know what's going to come out, you know, and then I have to kind of clean my system out of it. Okay, sugar addiction. This is an important point. Uh, Rutgers University, uh, it's a uh, New Jersey State University. It's entitled Sugar Addiction, More Serious Than You Think. If you think you might be addicted to sugar, it's a pretty good chance you are. And when you see how much sugar ex- exists in our, and now that we're talking about this, again, I'm doing some of this stuff on the fly because I want you to just do it yourself. Say, hey, but I just drink, I just drink Gatorade. Okay. This is one of the smaller Gatorade bottles. And I'm not anti-Gatorade. I'm going to do a lot of exercise I'm, I'm, if I'm going to go do a, an event. By the way, little tip, if you're going to go into an event, say you're doing a half marathon or a marathon or a Whatever it might be, there's an organized event. They're going to have aid stations along the way. It's a triathlon, whatever it is. Figure out what they're going to be serving at the event, okay? Very important because if you're training on Gatorade, for example, and then they have some completely different 
um, electrolyte replacement and you go in, guess what your gut's going to do? It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a hard time because you're not used to it. Okay. You're used to a certain amount of electrolytes and so forth. So I'm not doubting this because of electrolytes and stuff. And, and when you're exercising, you need a bunch of, uh, an amount of sugar. And I'll get into that. In, and of course, there's two different camps on this. If you're keto, you think differently than, than but most people will say they, they do well with a lot of checks. We'll get into that in a different, different episode. So let's just kind of put that on the back burner and we'll talk about it. But Gatorade, a lot of people will drink Gatorade or Powerade or whatever it may. And again, I'm not down in Gatorade because I... I'm very aware of it. So this small, this small one, which is uh, 12 fluid ounces, has 21 grams of sugar. Okay, 21 grams of sugar. So 21 times 0. 0.25, 5.25 teaspoons of sugar for just this small, small bottle here. So if you're just drinking this recreationally, you may want to consider that a little bit so uh okay addiction again i'm going and i kind of got a little bit distracted there but i'm kind of giving you an idea that there's it's in so much of what we do okay uh immune okay addiction uh basically the the nutshell is this uh the study demonstrates and this is a study that as i mentioned out, out of um rutgers university Study demonstrates the effects of sugar addiction and withdrawal and relapse are similar to those of drugs abuse. Uh, drug, drugs of abuse. Okay, so um, it gets into um, uh, that we're hitting dopamine dopamine rushes and dopamine hits. And uh, let's see here, an animal study published in the Journal of Nutritional Neuroscience linked implications of an animal model in and out. Of an animal model of sugar addiction, withdrawal, and relapse of human health. It, it, we're, we become addicted to this. And so, very important to kind of make note of that. So, if you think that maybe you're a little addicted, you probably are. And I'm not saying this to scare you. There's nothing, not, not, my purpose is not to use scare, scare tactics or anything. It's just to educate so we can become, um, so that we can become educated and make decisions on our own for our own health and wellness journey and our own health and wellness goals. So speaking of addiction, um, what is an addiction? Okay, this one comes from, and okay, so this is from May of this year. What is an addiction? Eating sugar releases opioids and dopamine in our bodies. This is linked, this is the link between added sugar and addictive behavior. Dopamine, continued here, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that is a key part of the, re the reward circuit associated with addictive behavior. When a certain behavior causes an excess release of dopamine, you feel pleasurable high that you are, that you are inclined to re-experience and so repeat the behavior. As you repeat that behavior more and more, your brain adjusts to this release the, the, uh, to release less dopamine. The only way to feel that same high as before, is to repeat the behavior in increasing amounts and frequency. This is known as substance abuse. And sugar does hit your dopamine levels, our dopamine levels. So, uh, it says here, sugar activates the opiate receptors in our brain and affects the reward center, which leads to compulsive behavior despite the negative consequences like weight gain, headaches, Hormone imbalance, 
and more. Each, to, oh, each time we eat sweets, we are reinforcing those neural pathways, causing the brain to become increasingly hardwired to crave sugar, building up a tolerance like any other drug. So, <laughs> this one's entitled, Sugar Might Be As Addictive As Cocaine. Wow. Okay, so let's move on to other areas. Again, I can only cover so much in a podcast like this. And I'm reading from these specifically for on, a, on purpose because I want to model a little bit here what you can do. Don't suggest you go and buy this. <laughs> sure. I did this for the podcast purpose. But you can do this on your own. You can just Google it, get your own research and study it. And you might be thinking, gosh, I'm having a hard time sleeping. And... Maybe I should look at one of my night routines. This is very common. I don't know if this is your night routine. It's been my right nightly routine in periods of my life. You eat a bunch of cookies or you eat a bunch of ice cream right before bed, uh, whatever it might be. And you might be wondering, why am I having a hard time sleeping? Well, guess what? Sugar is linked to uh, sleep challenges as well. There's a lot of other things that... Um, that are challenge are causing challenges with our sleep for sure. Okay, there's lots of things. There's light. In fact, a lot of people wear uh, special uh, glasses, blue light glasses, for to to protect them from screens that we look at. We all look at them. Every one of us. And, you know, what can we do to uh, lessen that? There's watching the news right before bed. I highly recommend you don't do that. Holy macro! That's just like feeding fear and anger and bitterness. Don't do that. That's not helping your sleep. But anyways, let's focus on sugar for today. Sugar and sleep. This particular um, article written by Stephen Moss in 2020. Sugar, uh, too much sugar can lead to weight gain, of course. This is a a theme that you're going to hear quite regularly. And I'm going to get into weight gain here in just a second. Too much sleep can lead to weight gain, cause tooth decay, and increase risk of diabetes. But it also has other profound effects it messes with your sleep and in such a way that your sleepiness will leave you with cravings for more sugar. So sleeplessness. So what's interesting is what he's saying here is it can affect your sleep patterns where you don't sleep well enough. And if you don't sleep well enough, and if you don't get enough sleep, guess what? It makes you crave sugar more. It's like this crazy loop. Okay. Um, okay. 2016 study found that people who have diets high in sugar tend to sleep less deeply and display greater sleep restlessness at night. According to Dr. Michael Breas, uh, aka the sleep doctor, apparently he's a sleep doctor, uh, a U.S. clinical psychologist who specializes in sleep disorders, too much sugar leads to a tendency to eat later in the day because blood sugar levels are zigzagging out of control. That uh, adversely affects sleep and your disrupted sleep and your disrupted sleep will, in turn, produce an even greater craving for sugar the next day. The vicious cycle is complete. Okay? So, if you're wondering, man, I struggle with sleep, and I ha- and you have certain uh, late-night habits, which are not uncommon, consider that. Now, to that point, I used to travel a lot. I lived on the road. Um, I would go city to city, country to country, um, as I was building my business, and uh, we were at the company, the company I, I, I was one of the owners with, I would travel. We were in a, doing business over 42 countries. So I was very active, I was gone. And I'd speak to a lot of groups, a lot of groups, uh, sales groups. 
And I would finish late at night. That's generally when our meetings would be. They'd be 10 o'clock. It would be not uncommon for me to get back to my room by 11 o'clock at night. If I didn't eat, or even 12, if I didn't eat with the sales group, I'd of course be hungry. I'm speaking in front of a group of 100 or 500 or 1,000 people. You kind of get your hunger going, your mind's going. It's kind of tough. And I got into this bad routine where I would eat late at night. And what do you often eat? Eat sweet stuff. And it got into this rough routine. So I can attest to what he's talking about here. It's something that's hard to break that cycle. But I can assure you that you can break this cycle. And it's important if that's part of your sleep challenges, consider that. If you're experiencing sleep challenges, consider that, okay? Uh, and I've gotten off to that. And every now and then I break that rule and I just have trouble sleeping and then I kind of get back into my pattern, okay? But I can tell you that eating sugar late at night, it affects me, it affects my sleep greatly. And then therefore it affects the next day and it becomes a cycle. Sugar in the brain. Um, and this is... Uh, this. This is important. We're going to go into this because you might be wondering, I get brain fog or anxiety. I'm not saying there's any quick fix to any of this, okay? So please understand, um, I'm not trying to say that sugar is the only reason why a person has anxiety or a tendency for depression. Not at all. That's not my point in this. And please don't don't take that away from this conversation. If, if you need professional help, of course, go that route. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it could affect, okay? So I'm just saying it could make, it could play a role, and it does in my case when it comes to brain fog and not being able to think clearly and straight. So um, this is nurseregistry.com, uh, how, how sugar affects the brain. Many people recognize that sugar is bad for their health and, of course, goes into weight gain. But did you know that high sugar consumption hinders learning and memory building too? Um, it increases the resistance of insulin, a hormone that strengthens synaptic connections. It can also affect brain-derived neurotropic factor, which promotes the formation of new synaptic connections and is vital for learning and memory. Unfortunately, sugar and brain fog have a deep connection, what she says. Um, and a deep connection... Uh, also with depression and anxiety. Again, I'm not saying that that's the only cause, so please please understand me when I'm, I'm just reading what's state, stated here. After eating a sugary snack, your blood sugar levels spike and you may experience irritability or brain fog. When your blood sugar levels crash, you may feel anxious, tired, and moody. It is important to be mindful of your blood glucose levels on a daily basis. And again, this becomes part of all of, all of our journeys to understand. And so if this is something that resonates with you and you think, hmm, I could research it. I'm not saying it's the only thing. Oftentimes you're going to hear, and one thing I want to, I want to, a theme on this. A lot of times we, we, we find something that works for us. And we think that's it. I'll put my finger on the, I got it. I've solved it all. This is the only issue. Uh, I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying I believe that in the world that we live in, there are so many things that we experience more on a daily basis here. Um, in in this day, we happen to be in 2023, that I like experienced my whole life growing up in in the, in the 70s and 80s. I mean, technology-wise, the whole bit, I mean, it's like amazing. There's so much that can be done on this phone right here. I mean, we experience so much. We're being hit by so many areas. Um, 
you're going to hear actually, I might end up doing a podcast on this because it really does have to do with health and wellness, social media and the dopamine hits that we get from social media and what this does to our brains. And so there's a lot of different things. There's there's different waves going through the uh, everywhere around us from we still don't 100% understand how they're all affected. So please know I'm not saying there's one thing that you put your finger on and this is it. I believe it's a lot of things. And I believe the more we educate ourselves, the more the more we can become better and become more of the best version of ourselves. Okay, that's more of what I was just talking about there. Okay, here's a good one. Let's let's kind of wrap up with this one. How sugar converts to fat. Because you hear this quite regularly. Oh, sugar causes the people to become overweight. Okay, so this kind of jumps into this. This is actually from the University of Utah, um, local, local university, and it's an interview. So it's an interesting, I'm just going to take a clip from from the interview because it explains it quite well as if you and I are talking right now, right here, and how sugar basically just converts, excess sugar converts into fat. So the interviewer asks, so what, and this is an interview with Dr. Juan Gallegos, interviewer. So what exactly is happening? I ate a whole bunch of sugar. It goes into my body, goes into my stomach, gets ingested by my system, and then what? And this is his answer. Then it goes into your bloodstream, he says. And then the blood and and then the bloodstream, when your pancreas senses that there's high blood sugar levels, then it will se- secrete something called insulin. And that insulin will make that sugar. Uh, that glucose goes back into the, into certain cells, especially liver cells, muscle cells, and other cells so that they can use that as energy. But that excess energy that you have, if it's not used, then it's stored somehow. Okay, so you get that? We do need a certain amount of sugar. And again, that's going to be debated. There's certain people that, that like, are, are, do, you, do you fuel on fat? That's more of the keto story. Or do you fuel on carbohydrates? And so we're talking more of a general understanding. Because I do want to talk about keto eventually and have a podcast dedicated to different types of eating styles. Because the keto is going to say... Um, no, the best way to do it is uh, to burn fat as your energy source versus carbohydrates. So, but what he's saying here is your body uses that sugar that it needs, but then if there's excess sugar, it stores it. And what is it? And it says, yeah. He says the way it's stored is basically in the fat cells, but also sometimes it's stored in other places where it shouldn't be. Okay. So that's in a nutshell, and of all the different different links that I was looking at for fat, I thought that would be probably the best way to be able to describe it. Too much sugar, we need sugar. According to this researcher and according to uh, that that camp, again, everywhere, we're going to have different camps here, but that camp saying that we use carbohydrates, we have sugar to, to help fuel, it's going to it's gonna do that. But the excess is just short as, as fat. And so... The excess part is what we're talking about here. Not anti-sugar, anti-too much sugar. And we have too much sugar in our life, in our diet, or in what we're putting in here. By the time it goes in here, by the time it comes out here, it well, I guess it doesn't come it's stored as fat as we say. But basically that's what's that's what's happening, okay? Um and unfortunately that happened. Even that, that that takes place. So um, 
This one, I don't know if I showed this one yet, but a lot of us like to drink energy drinks. It's 63 grams of sugar. Um, again, not not getting on their case here. 63 times 0 0.25, 15.75 grams of sugar. Just start going through your own. Just kind of figure out what works. Um, now, here's an interesting one. This is kind of like... like is I actually like clip bars, they're really good. But recognize, and if you're just eating this as a snack versus the, the original purpose, I mean, there's a guy hanging off a cliff on this. The whole purpose originally for this is to fuel a person when they're exercising, they're going through some endurance. And I've used this a lot in my endurance events over the years. Um, but this has 16 grams of added sugar. And so I'm not saying it is wrong. It's just, um, just keep that in mind. So that's four, basically four teaspoons of sugar, okay? Now, what can you do, okay? Is there something that can be done? And the answer is, of course there is. We have choices. You have choices each and every day. You are faced with choices all the time. Oh, and by the way, one of these choices, I wanted. I want to point this out, it's just empty calories, okay? Really, that's that's what, because it's not really, we're getting plenty of sugar in our diet. It's not like we really, really need this sugar. Okay, sometimes we do. Sometimes, you know, you, you need a little quick, quick kick. But for the most part, we're doing pretty well here in our, in our culture. So there's a lot of it empty, but we have those choices on a daily basis. And you have a choice whether you take sugar, for example. Let's say you drink your coffee in the morning, midday, night, whatever, however often you're taking your coffee. You have a choice whether you're going to put sugar in it, or let's say monk fruit, or say stevia. I like these solutions. I like them a lot. Okay. Uh, stevia is a plant. Again, research it on your own. It's very interesting. It's a plant. I mean, this this is derived from a plant source. And I personally like stevia. There are some people who tell you, maybe you don't eat uh, stevia, but I personally like it a lot. No calorie. It's God's no calorie sweetener that you stuck on the earth as well as monk fruit. It's a fruit, but just has naturally no calories and very, very sweet. You put this in your coffee or your tea or whatever, or you sprinkle it on your your uh, oatmeal, or whatever you're, whatever you're wanting to generally would put sugar on. Instead of brown sugar in your oatmeal, put a little bit of stevia, put a little bit of monk fruit. It really does. It's very, very sweet. In fact, you don't even need a lot of this, just a couple drops and it's, it's, Plenty. Okay. There's also other other no calorie sweeteners like sucralose um, and aspartame. Right. I those are a little more created in a lab, so to speak. I'm not saying I'm I will never consume them, but my first choice is going to be something of much more natural, which which is one of these. But if you're going to go, I'd rather go a non sugar um, option if if that's what you're looking for to cut back on your sugar. You can skip your dessert. Oh, I know. Did I just say that? What? Skip the dessert. But just kind of calculate. A lot of times, cal I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but restaurants are now putting calories behind. beside, a lot of the restaurants will put calories beside what you're ordering. Look it up. Just look it. And you start to realize, wait a second, that meal is 1,800 calories and my uh, my daily recommended daily allowance of calories is 2000. Mm. Now, if I add to it an appetizer and I add to it 
a dessert. Well, now I'm pushing 2,500, 3,000, whatever it ends up being. Look on the, look on it and see what it says from a calorie perspective. Look at the label. Again, I'm not picking on Pepsi. Okay. Just cut and paste this for any soda. Um, just look at the label, research it, see what uh, exists there and look at what options are out there. You can even get sugar-free. Um, you can get no added sugar ice cream. Um, you can make decisions on a daily basis. And these are the decisions that I, that I try to make as well. And I look at it and I say, okay, Hey, do I really need that? And that's a good question to ask. Do I really need this? Is this really something that my body needs right now? Again, what makes you strong? What makes you weak? I want you to think about that as we continue our journey together for your health and wellness, for my health and wellness, as we go through this podcast series, what makes you strong? What makes you weak? And if the decision, you know, try to try to hit that decision when you say, do I really need this? And what's an interesting way to be able to determine this at a restaurant I, I do this. I had a doctor, an uncle of mine is a doctor, and he taught me this little trick. Push yourself away from the table and just sit and talk. Before you order, before you make your dessert, uh, your dessert choice. I'm not saying don't eat dessert, okay? I'm just saying, well, oftentimes eat dessert every single day, and you start, well, is that necessary? You know, if it's a special occasion, of course, have some dessert, enjoy it. You know, that's fine. But every day, you know, you push yourself away. Do I really need this? And just kind of sit and wait and see how your body, let your body tell you, let your body tell you, listen to yourself. God created these bodies of ours amazingly. And if we can just be silent for a moment and get in tune with our bodies your body, my body, get in tune with our bodies. Our bodies will help us know what we really need. And there will be some times where you're going to need some sugar while well, you listen to your body. But chances are your body's not saying, yeah, I have another another six, 69, 69 grams of sugar three times a day or whatever, you know. So just consider that. Listen to your body. What makes you strong? What makes you weak? Thanks for joining in on uh, Joe Morton for Cup of Joe as we talk about our health and wellness goals, your health and wellness goals. Remember, it's your journey. It's my journey. And I hope this helps you as you're along your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. Make it a great day.